0: Hi there, church family. Good to be with you today as we do our midweek sermon recap. We've been in the Psalms and we continue that. We were in Psalm 7 this past Sunday uh, together. A little bit longer of a of a psalm, maybe a little bit different of a psalm because it talks about uh, persecution. I want to ask you guys around the table, maybe get some discussion early. When we talk about persecution in our local context, how... Uh, <clears throat> how relevant is it you think
1: all right <laughs> <laughs> i mean i think it's relevant in maybe in smaller scales compared to what we see like in the what's called the 1040 window <clears throat> which is the very unchristian or or um you know lost or um challenging context like in parts of Africa and India and the Middle East. So obviously they're facing very external persecution, (laughs) you know, as far as like, I remember I had a friend who was from Yemen when I was in Dearborn and uh, he came to know Christ and he said it's very challenging for the Yemeni Christians because they have to meet secretly in their homes and oftentimes people will come that are pretending to be Christians or interested in Christ, but they're actually working for the government or their Islamic radicals or whatever and so there's constant threat and people disappear quite often and so obviously we're not facing that in this country but we are facing persecution as far as like oh you're evangelical you're you know you 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 claim to to know the truth and and we're very ostracized we're very much um marginalized considered you know narrow-minded what have you archaic and so i think that comes in the form you know especially with with uh, the emerging generations in school that are standing up for Christ in a very liberal context like that. So, and I think sometimes persecution can come from our families or even sometimes even within our our church community, you know, people who are you know trying to, you know, one up or usurp or whatever uh, another person because they're jealous or whatever. So.
2: Yeah. yeah, I was I don't think that there's going to be persecution mm-hmm. here that is physical, right? or uh, challenging to your health. But I mean, I can think of a couple of different families that are here at our church who I know experience persecution within their own families Mm -hmm. of broken relationships, grandparents not able to spend time with their grandkids like they'd like to because of their faith or um, children that have been alienated from their parents because of their decision to become a Christian. Um, When we've talked about this subject with the youth, I mean, they definitely say that there is pressure from their teachers, some of their teachers at, at some of their schools, um, where they are, their teachers speak as if faith is silly, you know, something that's not true, um, that you're weak to believe in. And so I think persecution definitely happens in our context in those ways, but not, not in, in terms of like, you know, David fleeing from Saul or Stephen being stoned or something like that.
0: So if we're not facing persecution, are we doing something wrong as Christians, you think? That comes from, like, John 15. If you are of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember remember the word that I said to you, a servant is no is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they keep my word, they will also keep yours. So... If we are not facing persecution, is that a problem as Christians? Does that mean we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing as
3: Christians? I think, I think persecution is a, is a word. Um, yes, it is. <laughs> and That we often associate almost exclusively with opposition that we can see. And the reality is, as we know from Ephesians chapter 6, the real opposition is the things we can't see the forces of spiritual darkness. Like you mentioned very helpfully, Satan is like a prowling, roaring lion. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways Satan attacks people is not simply through physical violence, although that is one way he does it. It can also be through luxury. I mean, I think it is one of the biggest temptations, maybe, I mean, we don't struggle with the temptation to deny Christ because of physical violence, but we do face the temptation to deny Christ because of luxury. And that is just as potent. Um, This is why whenever you go overseas, right, those people that are in that 1040 window, many of them also will succumb to the prosperity gospel Mm -hmm. because they want to become rich and wealthy. Now, the temptation Mm -hmm. for us is we want to keep being rich and wealthy. And so I think sometimes we only have the eye on what's going on in Iran or Iraq or Afghanistan with being a Christian there. And we say that's very difficult. But also we need to realize it's very difficult to be a Christian in the U.S., not for those same reasons as it is there, but it's because it's so easy to not be a Christian if you Mm -hmm. didn't want to. Um, Or you could be a a very shallow uh, Christian in name only. So I think that is something we need to, to be more aware of, is Satan is much, if if Satan always attacked people simply by bloodshed, then his his designs and his tactics would be very easy to, to, to notice. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't do that. He also attacks with wealth and prosperity and the temptation to covetousness. I mean, he offered Jesus all the kingdoms of the earth without suffering. Mm-hmm. And that was a great temptation. And that is what he offers. He's probably offering to many Christians in the Western world is you can have all this without bearing the cross. Um, so I think that's important for us to be aware that, that spiritual persecution is always happening. Um, it takes different forms around the world. Now, I'm thankful we don't live in a place where um, we don't face physical persecution. And actually, we should also realize that is a result of a culture that has been greatly impacted by Christianity. And that is a very good thing. Um, so on the one hand, I think we want to pray for our brothers and sisters who do face physical persecution. On the other hand, we want to be aware of the temptations and the persecution we face um, from in our particular context. But also, I don't want us to feel guilty about have, living in a culture that has been influenced by Christianity for really 2,000 years, Mm -hmm. gradually being influenced over the course of a long time um, that embraces the idea of uh, at least toleration and respect for other human beings even whenever they disagree with us theologically. That's a Christian presupposition. That's not a Muslim one. (laughs) That is is distinctively Christian. So I also want to think that that is a good thing um, for us. And so I don't want us to feel guilty if we don't face physical persecution. It doesn't mean we're necessarily being um, unfaithful to the gospel. But um, because the reality was, too, and this is important for people, too, sometimes th- people think the early Christians were only being thrown to the lions. Christianity was persecuted to greater or lesser extents. So sometimes it ebbed and sometimes it rose. Um in the roman empire it could be really severe at times but other times um it wasn't so severe i'm not saying that it was easy necessarily but it also wasn't like it was um we also don't want to over emphasize the persecution of the early church to the extent that we just think it was one continual being fed to the lions in the Colosseum. that did happen and sadly it happened but it wasn't like that wasn't what the early church was facing either and i just want us to be real about History, God's common grace that we're grateful for and also the, the different forms that persecution can take in our lives. Yeah, I would agree with what you're saying.
0: Um, but it doesn't deny the fact that Psalm 7 is speaking more of the physical persecution, the more of a, a physical danger that David is facing here. He's not necessarily in this Psalm. He's not talking about his sin um, that Satan is tempting him with or persecuting him with because, because he says that, right? He says that, uh, search me, Lord, uh, know me, see if there's any cause. And there isn't, is what he's assuming there. Um, uh, so this psalm particularly, I think, is dealing more so with the physical persecution that takes place in a Christian's life, which again, Jesus said would would happen. And so again, I, I agree with everything that, that Spencer said, but I, I think this psalm is speaking more to the physical side of it or... Um, Maybe physical is not the perfect word because your fam. I don't know. Would you label it physical persecution your family not talking to you because of your faith is that physical or more like
2: dip- emotional or I don't know how. No, you No, I mean I think it, that by physical what you're talking about is somebody who's trying to inflict pain. Yeah, physical pain mm-hmm. yeah. on you. Right. And so obviously no, I right. don't think that that's the same thing. Right. Still, I would still call it persecution. Yeah. No, me too. I mean, I just didn't know how we would how we would mm-hmm.
0: word that because I know that that. I know that that happens. That happens in our context. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been families of, of Roman Catholic background mm-hmm. that when they get baptized here, their their family's like, I don't, we're done then. Mm-hmm. And so they face a, a very horrible persecution in my mind, mm-hmm. whether you want to label it phys- physical or whatever you want to say it is. It's it's very real. It's very real and, yeah. and difficult. And I think that's a little, that's similar to what is being talked about here in Psalm 7. But it is a, it is a kind of a different lesson to teach or a sermon to preach because we are looking at people who for the most part uh, as we said are not facing um, a physical persecution. Uh, nobody really is scared to go to work because they think that they might be killed or maimed because of their faith nobody was really nobody's really facing that and um, like Spencer was saying, we are very thankful that we live in a place like that I, I don't think persecution is something we should uh, seek after so that we can say, well, look, we're honoring John here. You know, what is being said in the gospel of John, because I'm facing persecution, then I am a child of God because Jesus faced persecution. Mm-hmm. I don't think that adds up.
2: I do, I will say this, I mean, mainly because it came up in our Sunday school class yesterday that I do think there is a sense of fear that is growing among many Christians, specifically in the workplace, when your workplace is like, you know, and they're having HR meetings that are you know putting you through trainings about using people's proper pronouns, you know, and how you're supposed to treat other employees, when you know you as a as a believer don't believe that you should be engaging in that kind of a thing. I mean, that's a that's a conver- that's a conversation for a different podcast. But the fear of if I do that, I feel like I'm forsaking what I believe in my faith. That's definitely I think on the rise. For many yeah, Christians, yeah, there's
0: definitely more of that. I mean, I've heard more of like, uh, should I go to this wedding of my yeah. family yeah. member because it's a homosexual wedding? Mm-hmm. You know, how do I now handle this relationship? You know, with my aunt who used to be my aunt, married to my uncle, but now she's my aunt married to my other aunt. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd like, I yeah. mean, seriously, like those yeah. are real conversations. Yeah. So the that fear there are facing
2: the fear is. Of what would be persecution, whether that is now my relationship with my family member is broken or I'm afraid I'm going to get fired from my job, you know, uh, because I'm not willing to engage with this um, kind of thinking here. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, I think there's there is still definitely fear. There's a sense of of I think there's a sense also of like uh,
3: of uh, alienation, a feeling that uh, and Carl Truman talks about that in his thing that the church is becoming um, we're, we're, we feel, we feel the distinction between the world and the church more so. Right. And that is also a feeling of, of, uh, that is, that is a sense of suffering that mm-hmm. you start to feel where you realize this is, we don't really share. This is not home, right? We're pilgrims.
0: Yeah. I think he said, I think it was him who was talking about this, just like even in the public square, not even having a voice, right? They don't even want you in that mm-hmm. anymore, which is new. Yeah. That's just a new occurrence right. mm-hmm. uh, here today. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I don't know I just in in wanting to preach this sermon and preach it correctly I've, and, and according to what the the word actually tells us here, um, I don't know. I think there were some who might feel this isn't fitting for our context. you're talking about persecution and you know but um, but we do face it and it is it is coming. I mean and it's coming more like we said and I think it's going to impact everybody. Uh, the longer the longer that we go. And I do believe there is a sense of as Christians, we don't face persecution a lot of times because we run from it. There probably was times that we would face some persecution if we would have done what we should have done, sharing the gospel or being faithful to something that God was calling us to do. and we simply avoided it because we didn't feel the persecution was was worth it. yeah
2: right? When you, when you asked that question earlier, if we're not being persecuted, are we doing something wrong? The first thing that came to my mind was Peter denying Christ. Mm-hmm. He was in the face of persecution. He did not. He saw what was happening to Jesus. He didn't want that to happen to him, mm-hmm. and so he denied Christ three times. And so sometimes, mm-hmm. if you're not facing persecution, yeah, it is because you did something wrong. Sure, but not all the time. Right, right, right. And so you got to be careful with that. Yeah, but, and that's where yeah. I,
0: I think you got to be like what what David does in verses three through five, where he asks God to search his heart. Right. We have to be. We have to be honest with that. Now, in in the <clears throat> message when I talked about it. I think there are some Christians who are like, I am facing persecution on Facebook. People are just like blitzing me for this and that. And it's like, yeah, but what you're writing on Facebook is bad. (laughs) Like when you say to search me, you're the problem, not them, you know? Um, and I, I don't know how honest we are with ourselves all the time. You know, we, uh, you have to think about that. You know, why, why don't my kids love the Lord? Well, what have you taught them about the Lord and how have you, how have you done that? Have you, Beat them with the Bible, or have you loved them? Right. I mean, there's always things I think that we can reflect on in our in ourselves, and we need to be willing, like David, to say, "Well, God, search me too. I I need to know if there's sin in my life, if there's something that I am doing wrong that needs to be dealt with. That is that is causing this turmoil that is taking place at at this time. Because David is seeking ref- refuge from God in this. He's he's going to the Lord with an issue. It seems like. It seems like somebody from Saul's family, or from his tribe at least, is coming after him in some way, shape, or form, and David is really feeling it. And so he's calling out to God. Again, he's saying, search me, God, try me, see if there's anything within me that is causing the enemy to do what they um, are doing. And he even goes to the point where in verse 6, he says, arise as if God is sleeping. Arise, like awaken O oh Lord, in your anger, come and lift yourself up against the fury of my enemies. Awake for me. You've appointed a judgment. Um, so he's, he's calling on God to come and to protect him because he's saying, I'm innocent here. I haven't done anything, but I need you to protect me um, in this. And I think that that is relatable for a lot of us. And maybe it's not, again, like a persecution because of sharing the gospel, but... I think there are times in our walk, maybe goes more in line of the persecution that Spencer was talking about a little bit ago, where we feel completely surrounded by the enemy, and we are struggling. And we don't know where to go but to God, right? And so we're seeking him for refuge. And the honest truth is, I can't remember which commentary I was reading, if it was Spurgeon or another one, but just in that Arise, Awake, uh, where it said how the days turn into weeks and the weeks turn into months, and we're just wondering, is this what I'm going to face the rest of my life? This is 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 this this is just the rest of my life, this struggle, this problem, w- whatever it might be. Um, and so I think the realistic part of life is we face these times where we're calling out to God and we're just wondering, God, do you need to awake? <laughs> where are you? I'm not hearing from you. Um, help me here. And that's not the funnest place to be, but it is real. You know, I, I was listening to a podcast uh, yesterday, uh, White Horse Inn, and they they have a they have a podcast right now on the word trauma. What is trauma? That is like a word that's thrown around right now. People like to use the word uh, trauma, and they were talking about uh, trauma, and he was saying that people are so confused. Uh, Christians are so confused, he said, because like when we read the Psalms. He said if you if you hear a psalm read in a service, it's always the good part of the psalm. Mm-hmm. Like in this it would have been <clears throat> verse 17, the praise. Mm-hmm. But we avoid the lament. We avoid and and what has happened now, what he was saying is people are shocked that in their life bad things are happening. Because when they go to church, they only read the good part of the psalms. They only they only hear the goodness of the of the songs that they're singing. And they start to think, I'm not a good Christian because I'm struggling. Or or they revert to Everything is traumatic, and that's not true either. Mm -hmm. Not everything is traumatic. This is life. We live life. And he even went as far to say people only experience trauma maybe once, maybe twice in their life, maybe a real trauma experience. But we don't live with the realism of what the Word tells us, like in this psalm of there's definitely time. Look in David's life. Awake, God. Where are you? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do you see what's happening? I'm not in the wrong here. They're coming after the... A chosen king. You chose me as king and they're wanting to kill me. I can only find refuge in you. I need you. Right? That's real life and I think it's good for us to face that as Christians and to read this to see, man, this is God's chosen king who has a whole army around him and what does he feel in this instance? Complete vulnerability to be killed Mm -hmm. or slaughtered or whatever by this guy, Cush. And, uh, I just think it's helpful for us to reflect on that and to understand that this is a real part of life. And so I have no doubt that when we're preaching to a congregation or talking to people in the hallways, that we are talking to people who are in month three of wondering, God, what in the world's happening here? Mm -hmm. Whatever it is, again, persecution, sin, uh, family problems, struggle, dealing with their children, grandchildren, whatever it might be, parents. Uh, but just the struggle of life. And I hope that it's helpful for people to see, like in this psalm, Psalm 7, King David crying out to God saying, "Where I need refuge in you. Where are you? Come and save me. Strike down your enemies. I don't know if you guys got anything. <clears throat> on. No,
3: I think that's really helpful. I think um, <clears throat> one of the, 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 there's a, you know, whenever, before we had, um uh, s- You know much of the uh, the shift in worldview, but also just the the prosperity. When people went to church, they went to church not because, and they weren't surprised by hardship in life. That was that was a given, but it was kind of like how whenever you walked past a church, you would walk past a cemetery often. So you were always reminded, "I'm going to be there soon," and so church was about helping you prepare to die. And to, I guess what I'm trying to say is they were, we are so surprised. I I say this about myself. I'm so surprised that life is still hard. Whenever I think previous generations were like, no, life is life is going to be very difficult. That's a given. And whenever you read through so many of the Psalms, the Christian life is a very difficult life. and We shouldn't be surprised by that. Um, we shouldn't be taken off guard by that. So whenever you read Psalms like this, this is a helpful reminder that. Coming to church isn't about just thinking. Oh, you know what? Everything's just great, because the reality is everything's not great.
0: Which is actually, were you yeah. going to say something? I was, but go, go ahead. ahead. No. no, you, you. Uh, no, I'd
2: like to hear from you. It's not spiritual. Oh. <laughs> was it about disc golf? No, oh, I <laughs> would love to talk about that. What I was going to say, like what you're talking about, Spencer. I mean, what people used to go through walking past yeah. a church, looking at a graveyard. I feel. I mean, today it's like we, we go through the unpleasant things of life like Mm -hmm. working like a job we go through the unpleasant not necessarily enjoy i like working with you guys too (laughs) (laughs) um but we it's like our mindset today is we go through those things so that we can do what we really want to do right right -hmm. right? so that we can be entertained so that we can participate in our hobbies Mm -hmm. so that we can do those things that's what we really live for Mm -hmm. and it's just you think about what people like when that used to not be possible Right. right? Life was not about the things that entertained you or the hobbies that you had or anything like that. It was just about living mm-hmm. and staying alive. And it just makes you think like, what what was their mindset? You know, that's what I mean. It's like, it's not necessarily spiritual. Um Well, I mean, it is in a way,
0: because I think what you're saying, that motivation of what we live, that to me, that's wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a wrong motivation. We shouldn't live for golfing or vacation that's not what our our life is i i live to serve god as a christian i live to be a part of a church family i live to um if god blesses me with a wife and with children then i live to be a dad and to be a husband um and then when we think about the theology of like vocation i do live to to work god allows me to work and so if i work at jeep or ford or gm we've been talking a lot about the auto industry recently uh you know wherever i go to work Mm -hmm. I do live to do that because God's allowing me to, to do that. And so I should take pride in that. When I get to go on vacation, I enjoy that. And I thank God that he allows me to do that. But that, I think that's where we start to have a lot of anxiety and a lot of frustration in our life when we're living for those hobbies because it's at least for me, that's not really a part of
2: my life to get to do that all the time. Well, it's just what happens to people when those things are taken away, if they ever had them, or they never get to experience them mm-hmm. because of whatever situation of life they're in. They look at everything else around them and they begin to think, well, what's, what's why is life worth living anymore? I don't mm-hmm. get to do any of the fun things.
1: Yeah. And, and dis- disillusionment is what happens because people, like you said, mm-hmm. Spencer, people have this idea, they have a goal in mind. And when that goal is blocked by suffering, by some external circumstance that you can't control, it's like, well, wait a second. This is not how it's supposed to be. God's supposed mm-hmm. to be like, on my side here, what's happening, you know? Right. And we get surprised. Mm-hmm. Whereas the, in the ancient world, or not even ancient world, but in the, you know, in the past. A hundred you know, years ago. Yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. Like you read like, you know, <laughs> so, different
1: different Puritans or whatever, you know, Plagues and sickness and you know Mm -hmm. whatever disease was a was a common thing and it was like well if we can if we can make it to forty we're doing pretty good here folks Mm -hmm. you know and and I think we've we've you know we've been so um, just disillusioned with life because we've been we we drink the water of everything should just work out Mm -hmm. and you shouldn't have to suffer. I
0: was listening to another podcast yesterday on uh, the prosperity gospel and kind of its roots and but mm-hmm. then how it's manifesting today and to be honest with you i don't know if everybody would like to hear this but th- this guy said all charismatic churches are now prosperity gospel it's churches mainstream yeah he said it's mm-hmm. not you're you're it's going to be hard pressed to find a charismatic mm-hmm. church now. anyways but he was speaking about um some of the big hitters throughout time he got to osteen and he said with joel osteen you'll notice he's very rarely in the news because he will not talk about anything negative, even his detractors. So when people come at him, he won't even speak to that because that is negative because in his belief you have to what you speak into life is what is manifested. And so he will only speak good into his into life, into the world because that's what he believes then will come to him uh, from God. And uh, So negativity in a psalm, That would be completely avoided. And whether we think we're prosperity gospel people or not, that does start to seep in because it's so prevalent within our culture, right? We want to go to church and just hear positives. We want to hear how God is for us, how God has this good thing for us, which is true. He is Mm -hmm. for us. But we never talk about the bad. And so then we're looking around wondering, did that person go through anything I've been going through recently? Because I'm putting on a face that everything is good, but... I'm having a hard time because I have to take care of my mom and I'm out of time. I'm constantly at her house. I'm taking her to doctors. Like life is so hard and difficult. What does the Bible have anything to say about this? And it's like, yeah, it has a lot to say about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And we need to know that that's normal, that that is a normal thing. But God is there with us in the midst of it, just like David. And when it's persecution in particular, Right, They're persecuting us for our faith. This is why David would go on uh, in the next quite quite a few verses to talk about how God is the judge, and he's the perfect judge because David knew in the end judgment would come, and it would be weighed out, who is righteous, who is upright, and they're the ones who are going to be with God, and then the rest are going to fall. And David was assured that he was the upright, that he was the righteous. And so I know it doesn't say it in particular here, but even if Cush comes and kills him, in the end, the judge is going to win out. The judgment's going to happen, and I will be on God's side, and he will not be on God's side. right? Um, and that's something, too, that we have we have to know as we face persecution for our faith, is we need to know that we are doing what God has called us to do, and in the end, we are the ones holding on to the Word of God, which makes it important that we know the Word of God, and we are holding on to the Word of God. And that we're judging our own actions by the word of God, right? We're reflecting it, saying, is this what God would have for us? Are are we living the life that is pleasing to God because of what he has done for us? And so I think we have to be reflective. That's why, again, gathering together is important. Being a part of a church family, hearing the word preached and taught to us. So, again, we can be conformed to the image of Christ, not to the things of this this world. Because we are God's uh, people. Right, uh, I found it interesting. I, I'm so, did, I don't think I read. Did I read? Uh, did I read? I don't think I read Matthew five yesterday. I Frank think was, you
3: mentioned it maybe in your prayer. I did
0: because at that point I realized, Tim, you moron, you didn't read that. You wrote that down to end with this, <laughs> and then you didn't read it. And I, I do that stuff so often it frustrated me. Um, but I found it interesting in Matthew in Matthew five. Right, we have the we have the beatitudes. And in, in beginning in verse 10, it says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is what David is talking about, being persecuted for righteousness. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Okay, the very next section. Talking about persecution, where you might think, okay, we need to hide out, we need to lay low, let's get there. Jesus then says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, if you're listening to that sermon, you might say, wait a second, they're not going to give glory to the Father in heaven because of my good works. They're going to persecute me. <laughs> but it's not like Jesus is saying, yeah, they're going to persecute you, so just don't do that. He's saying, too bad. I mean, you are the light of the world. They're going to see you. You, you need to do this. And yeah, you're going to face persecution, but when you do, rejoice in it. They persecuted the prophets before you, and yours is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, But there are going to be others who see your good works and rejoice, and now they're a part of the family as well. I just said, I don't know, in studying this and looking at that, I'd never put that together, that right after the persecution was, you're the light of the world, be the light. And Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm.
2: in the next chapter where Jesus is talking about doing good deeds, like giving to the poor or prayer, You're supposed to hide those things, you know, do them in secret. Mm -hmm. And so, like, when you think about, well, how do those two things work together then? I thought you just said, here, let my light shine so that all will see my good works and will praise the Father. And the commentary I was reading recently was saying that there's things that we're tempted to do publicly as Christians because we want to be thought of as good. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that we should be doing in secret because we're doing it to please our Father, not people around us. There's also things as Christians we're tempted to do in secret because we don't want people to see that because we're fearing persecution well those are the things that God commands us no those are things to do publicly Right, like being on Twitter
3: and things like that. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, X. even though it's acceptable—not it's not ta- Twitter anymore. X. Well,
2: it still oh, it's says, called X It still now? says Twitter. It's just oh, has it an X logo. Oh, but it's okay one. to have an anonymous account, so nobody. <laughs> <laughs> right?
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. let your light shine. <laughs> yeah, let
2: my light shine. That's that's actually my my Twitter name. <laughs> yeah, letting that light shine. Yeah, but no, I thought I think what I, Tim I had recently studied that as well for a a youth road rally devotion, and that was some I'd never connected either the fact that. You're letting your light shine. It literally does. He's telling you live as a believer in public for people to see. Yes, there's a little song. Spencer's want to sing the song. They used to sing
0: it a lot. It's oh,
2: yeah. all church. Oh, well, let's say it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, not not it out.
3: That's a classic. Yeah. Hide it under a bushel. No! <laughs> Sorry, I hit the microphone. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah.
3: you're just into Dave it. Dave, work on that. <laughs> on that we'll the, with the choreography. It, I uh, wanna, yeah.
1: That'd be a first choir I want to see Scott
3: Ely up there doing this. <laughs> I bet you would. Well, <laughs> <clears throat> <clears throat> Anyway, so
0: I guess the way that we should end. David does we didn't go through the psalm a ton. We kind of did some tangents, but that's really what this is for. Anyways, um, in the end of all this, David is going through all this struggle, all this all these problems, persecution. Uh, but yet in verse 17 he ends with he ends with a praise, praising praising God. Uh Knowing that God alone is worthy of praise. And now us as New Testament Christians, we get to read this Psalm in light of Jesus. And so that's why I do think it's important. And Christopher Ash is the one who's led me to this in his books to read the Psalms as it and understand that Christ has prayed these and Christ has sung them and then try to think of them in light of that. Mm-hmm. Right. That's and good. so and so thinking about Jesus praying this psalm i mean this would have been this would have been a perfect psalm for him to pray in the garden i don't know exactly everything he prayed in the garden i don't know if this psalm even came across as my i don't i don't know that i'm not saying that but it does fit right the persecution is everywhere Mm -hmm. oh father where are you right let the have you why have i been forsaken why have you forsaken me right i mean that's in this um but in the end right is still praise and we receive this blessing because of Christ. And so when we read this psalm, and this is what's so comforting for me, is we can actually we can read this psalm and pray it with David, hundred percent confident, knowing that, yeah, this is our psalm too. And it, that's only because we are we're in Christ, right? Christ died for us, He faced the persecution for us. I might not face a ton of persecution in this world, but Christ did, and I'm in him, and I bear his sufferings right mm-hmm. and so the the cross that he took is mine as well and he did it all for me and so that's what then hopefully leads us to to praise and to to worship him like i said sunday you know you might come in and you don't sing the first song cuz you don't feel it you don't sing the second song or maybe you mumble a little cuz you're starting to feel it a little bit but what should happen is by the end you see the word of god you hear the truth of god which leads you to say i might not feel it but you are worthy of me to sing praise to you and to worship you. And so hopefully the last song we sing, you can sing, at least honestly, right? Mm -hmm. Openly and truthfully. That's what uh, helps us as a, as a church family. So anyway, anything else from you guys? Any wise words? (laughs) Nothing. Okay. All right. (laughs) Well, we look forward to seeing you this coming Sunday. We hope to see you. Uh, We'll be in Psalm chapter eight. So look at Psalm 8, read it, uh, know it a little bit, hopefully, before you come here, and we'll have a a good time worshiping God uh, together and studying his word uh, together. But until then, we hope that you have a great week. God bless.